Welcome aboard, everybody. This is The VU, the voice of one, episode 117 for Tuesday, August 3, year of our Lord 2021. Okay, everybody, The VU, it's back. <laughs> two weeks, two VU-less weeks. Yeah, it seems like there should be some regulation, some law, some policy, but there's there's not. It, uh, it lacked two Vuless weeks. How does it happen? How does it happen? Folks, I've got a theory. Never be without a theory, right? Don't say, I don't know. Have a theory. Have a theory. All right, so here's my theory. Here's my, first of all, there's two weeks. There's first week is the week that got away. You know, like the, like the fish that you get right up to the, the boat and then boom, you know, it's gone or it's like it breaks the water out there and it's like, oh, it's a big one. And then boom, the line snaps and it's, it got away. And so that was the week that got away. Now, how exactly does a week get away? When we say that once in a while, don't we? It's like, man, that, just week, that week just got, that flew by. So how is it that a week gets away? Now, I think in the, I was just, here's the theory. Uh, back in the winter when I did three Vus a week, right? Uh, I was thinking about the fact that here in Indiana, it's dark at five, it's like dark at five o'clock. It's freezing outside. Maybe it's snowing or sleeting or icing or whatever. And uh, so you come home, you you get a little something to eat. It's cold outside. It's dark, and uh, you just don't really want to go back out. You don't want to go back out. So here it is, right? You're at six o'clock. It's like okay, uh, I'm home. Uh, what, what, what should we, oh, let, let's record a VU. Let's do a VU. What else would you do but record a VU? All right. So, uh, wintertime. Now we're in summertime and uh, sunset at 9 15 PM. So you're out and you're about, and you're doing this and that, and, uh, starting to get about dusk and, uh, <laughs> grab a little, uh, something to eat, which is uh, a little bit later than you normally would, but you, you do. So anyway, you're coming on home and it's, you know, the sun is setting and, and uh, you get inside and, and do this and that. Next thing you look at your watch, you're like, you're like, what? It's 945. So at that point, it's like, nah, we need to wind down. We're not going to record a VU. So that one day after another, 915, 915, the week that got away. Then VU karma, right? <laughs> Podcast karma came. I was like, all right, you're not going to do a VU. We'll get you. So boom, my internet goes out, out at my house. So I call the, the uh, provider, and they always do the little, oh, you know, you need to turn it on, turn it off, do this, do that. And uh, pretty much right away when they ran their little diagnostic, it was no turn it on, turn it off, any of that. It was just like, oh, we need to send a technician. So it's <laughs> like, great. So anyway, that took several days for them to uh, be able to do that. And uh, it was out there somewhere. I mean, the technician never even uh, came into my house, came to my house and looked at something outside the house and then uh, drove away to something else, some other place and worked on something out there and then called me and said, hey, you know, I've... Uh, uh, I've got it, I've, you know, powered up. I think everything's up and running and this and that. And, uh, yeah, there's a problem out here, whatever. And, uh, then he said that he was, uh, he was at the box that it's at the roundabout. <laughs> He's at the box that's at the roundabout. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in Carmel, Indiana, uh, identifying yourself as at the roundabout, <laughs> 
<laughs> that's not a very specific uh, uh, location. But anyway, wherever he was, uh, he got it all connected and uh, back up and running. So uh, anyway, back at two, <laughs> two Bullets Weeks. Well, good to have you with us. It's uh, Woody Cumby, your host, with the USMNT blend of Coffee Current Events Faith and FSU Sports. Yeah, that's right, the USMNT. That's right, that, that stands for United States Men's National Team. You say men's national team for what? Exactly. There's not that. That's not in there anywhere. It's just the USMNT, right? Well, actually, you have to be able to see the the, the logo, right? So this is like the Twitter, uh, how, Twitter handle, right? The USMNT. It's the soccer. It's the national USA men's soccer team. And so anyway, they played in a uh, tournament the other day and uh, some long a bunch of initials, uh, a bunch of countries. And so anyway, made it to the finals, made it to the Gold Cup round against uh, rival Mexico. Well, it's not really a rival because uh, five out of the last six times that uh, the USA and Mexico have have faced off in a Gold Cup uh, setting, Mexico has won, of course, huge heritage of uh, soccer and uh, so yeah so anyway it pitted the uh, USA soccer young very young team versus a veteran uh, Mexican team that uh, on average each player had 50 more international appearances than uh, international matches than the U.S. counterpart so Anyway, uh, the first they just came out. The, uh, Mexico came out with this huge barrage. I think they were just going to knock out the uh, knock out uh, uh, USA right away. But they, uh, uh, despite uh, uh, many shots on goal, our goalie, our goalkeeper kept uh, saving it, saving it. And uh, anyway, the thing goes all the way the entire regulation time and it's zero zero. So they go into a fifteen minute uh, extra time period. It's not sudden death. It's not like if somebody scores, it's over. They're going to play, play the entire. 15 minutes so they played that whole 15 minutes nobody scored now they're going to play another 15 minutes if they get to the end of that it's still tied then they do the penalty kicks well uh that would have taken them to 120 minutes well in the 117th minute of this game the young the younger right here's where here's where the youth kicked in in the 117th minute uh, the USA men's national team, they scored the goal, right? <laughs> 117th minute uh, to defeat uh, Mexico and get the Gold Cup 1-0. Here's how it sounded uh, on the TV call. He went down. He was stretching out his right calf. He's back to his feet. Callan Acosta to take. 117th minute. Acosta hooks it into the traffic. A free hat. Wow. Amazing. It was amazing. If you can find the highlight uh, online, do it. Find it on YouTube or something uh, about uh, uh, Miles' uh, goal there in the 117th minute. Amazing. So um, now, guys, so much to talk about. Um, so much. <laughs> so much has gone by in two weeks. Uh, and so much. I I'll get to some of it uh, yet this week. But today, I want to talk 
uh, for this podcast, I want to talk about uh, one of the finest men that I've ever met, one of the most vibrant Christian men uh, that I have ever met, uh, and that is retired FSU football head coach Bobby Bowden, now 92 years old, I think. And uh, his family recently uh, released a statement saying that he had a terminal disease, a terminal illness. And uh, a son, one of his sons, uh, said on some sports news outlet that he had, uh, Bobby Bowden had pancreatic cancer. Uh, Coach Bowden was uh, quoted in the release as saying that he was at peace. So... I just want to tell a, a couple of stories about uh, Coach Bowden. It may be that uh, you think of Florida State as a, a school that, uh, from a football standpoint, has had tremendous success and all of that. Uh, or maybe you're more aware of them recently when they've been <laughs> terrible. But I'm telling you, they were even more terrible uh, when I first uh, began uh, at Florida State. As, as a freshman, the football team didn't win any games. They won zero games. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the it was the stadium. It was like general admission, right? You just you just it was like going to a high school game. It's like there's no assigned seats. There's not enough people that are going to just go in there and pick a seat. You know, it doesn't matter. And the stadium is like you know maybe a third full, half full for like a big game. It was just they didn't win a single game. Second year, uh, my sophomore year, maybe they won a couple games. My junior year, maybe they won, I don't know, three games or something like that. I mean, it was terrible, terrible. The two different coaches, by the way, uh, in uh, those two years. Um, and so uh, after my uh, junior year, they fired that coach. So um, they began looking for a coach, and, uh, and they find uh, this coach, who was the head football coach at uh, the University of West Virginia. And his name was Bobby Bowden, Bobby Bowden. And they hired uh, Bobby Bowden to come to uh, Florida State University. Now, get ready for it. Get ready for it. As I recall it, as I recall it, for I think it was $38,000. Maybe it was sixty-eight, But my point is, it wasn't the multiplied millions that that, uh, people make today. It was, this was back in the day. Well, um, so anyway, here comes, uh, here comes Coach Bowden. And it was a transformational move for the football program, for the school, uh, every, everything about it. It just went, I mean, the, it, was, it was like the, this one man just transformed the entire atmosphere. And, of course, what happened was he built a dynasty, a dynasty, uh, the likes of which will not be matched, will not be matched. I say that uh, just because of the turnover and the way things are work in today's uh, world. But um, uh, after he built that team, after he built that, they went 14 consecutive years with 10 wins or more. 14 consecutive, now think about this one, 14 consecutive top five finishes in the AP poll. Two national championships, nine consecutive conference titles, two Heisman Trophy winners. In the 1990s, the decade of the 1990s, FSU had a record of 109, 13 losses, and one tie. The most victories by any college football team in a decade. 
So it was a dynasty. It was a dynasty. So, uh, but what I want to talk about for a moment is my recollection of, of Coach, not as the dynasty builder per se, but uh, just the man, uh, just the man. Now, uh, here, here, here's, here's some background. Remember I said that there were these uh, two coaches that were at uh, Florida State my freshman year and then a different coach my uh, sophomore and junior year, the two coaches. Now, those coaches, especially the second one, was not faith-affirming in any way, in any way, okay? Now, um, I worked for the Florida State Athletic Department in the Sports Information Office. <clears throat> that is, I was a student assistant in the Sports Information Office, and like, uh, you know, I, I worked in the press box and did different things like that. And then I would write stories about, I don't know, swimming and golf and, and you know, uh, the, the tennis. and well, the, But, you know, and kind of the big boys covered like the football and baseball and that kind of thing. So, um, <clears throat> but it, 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 I was around the athletic department. I was around the, the coaches and the players of various teams, that kind of thing. So uh, one of the things you might imagine that – uh, was resident there on on that campus was a Fellowship of Christian Athletes FCA chapter, and because the previous head football coaches had been not at all faith affirming, this little pitiful F F FCA chapter uh, had about I don't know eight or ten football players that would that that break, I'm sure there were there were there's no doubt there were other Christians, but. Uh, you know, you just you want to be on the good side of your coach, and so they, this little group would have uh, their little meetings and get together. Once in a while, I would go, and the, and the SCA meeting, uh, any athlete, anybody involved uh, uh, could go to it. Uh, anybody involved in athletics could go to it, and so I would go once in a while, and uh, it, it was it was just like this small little uh, group of dedicated guys. I can remember. I can remember during the transition from the previous coach to Coach Bowden during the interim time when there was no coach, I can remember literally being in an FCA meeting where some of these guys were praying to God that uh, because this was the same time that the recruiting was happening for the new, the new incoming class. And I can remember these guys praying that God would send uh, recruits, new players, to Florida State, who are strong, bold, outspoken Christians who wouldn't care if the new coach was faith-affirming or not. I can remember them uh, praying that, you know, praying. They just bring in guys that are, that are bold in their faith. Well, so then they hire uh, Bobby Bowden. And so here's, here's my first big recollection. So one night uh, after Bobby Bowden got there as head coach, one night, uh, I'm there in the football facilities uh, in the room uh, with the guys who are at the FCA chapter, and they're having their Bible study. We're having our Bible study uh, in prayer time and whatever. Well, uh, as we're in there, um, the door opens, and in walks the new head coach, Bobby Bowden. And I'm telling you, people froze. I mean, it was like, oh, it's like because, right, because of their previous, right, the previous idea that they had from their previous head coaches and their view 
of, of uh, the place of faith and FCA with football and all that. So in, the door opens, in walks this new coach, and when this big Alabama southern accent, you know, he's kind of like, hey, y'all, is, is, this the, is this the FCA? Is this the FCA, y'all, the FCA? And so, you know, uh, no one knew what would happen, you know, if he, if he answered in the affirmative. <laughs> so, but anyway, one of the guys was bold enough to say, yes, sir, this is the FCA. And, and Coach Bowden walks across the room. Can I, can I join, join you guys? And so he pulls up a chair, sits there in that circle, and gives his testimony of his faith in Christ. And that was the beginning of a transformation of culture at Florida State University athletics. Um, amazing. It was, it was an amazing thing to watch. And uh, he, he just, just a vibrant Christian man. And one of the most genuinely personable people I've ever met. Ever met. He's, he's one of those kind of guys, he's never met a stranger and, 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 and when, when you were in a space, he's one of those kind of guys that could just make you feel so welcome. Like, like you're just the center, like he would just sit back and, and smile and he would engage and, and, uh, you know, it was just like, he was, it was like people, uh, even today, people, sports writers and whatever are writing now that this announcement has been made about his, uh, uh, his terminal illness, the pe- people are writing, you know, about their own uh, interactions with him, not so much him, the football coach, but what would happen when he would, they would go to his office to interview and how he would, uh, you know, how it would just, they just feel like they were long lost friends. And it, it was just, he, he was that kind of guy. And he would call people by name. He's one of those kind of guys that could remember people's names, but, but listen, if he couldn't think of your name, he'd just call you boy. <laughs> you just call you boy boy now i know that most of you who are listening uh didn't grow up in the south and so you kind of wouldn't get the <laughs> might not really get it um but this is part of his heritage growing up in alabama right you, people, you just use the word boy now to be honest this later caused some friction with some uh some of the black athletes right this idea of boy um, but, uh, that was smoothed over. And I think pretty soon they kind of saw that that was just a generalized term with him, you know? Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I could remember, yeah, I could remember him calling it saying boy anyway. Um, uh, just an incredibly genuine guy. Now here's another story. Uh, there was, uh, um, before the decade, the dynasty started as he was just building that team and he had been there. Uh, eight or nine years, maybe at that point, um, there was a, a starting offensive tackle at Florida State whose name was Pablo Lopez, and he was shot to death uh, outside of a bar. And it it was the kind of thing it may, I literally made national news. Uh, I'll read you a, a couple sentences from the L.A. Times, September 14, nine, uh, 1986, right? So the football season had just begun, and uh, here's the headline in the L.A. Times. Florida State tackle is killed in an argument. Pablo Lopez shot outside a dance on the campus, non-student charge. That's the headline. And so Tallahassee, Florida AP, uh, the Florida State University player, a Florida State University player was shot 
to death early Saturday after an argument rekindled with a Tallahassee man outside a campus dance, police said. Pablo Lopez, 21, 6 foot 4, 281 pounds, starting offensive tackle from South Miami, was pronounced dead on arrival at Tallahassee Memorial Regional Medical Center following the shooting at 1.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time outside the Montgomery Gym, the university police said. Uh, Brian Johnson, 20, was charged with first-degree murder in the shotgun slaying of the junior from Miami. So, needless to say, a couple weeks into the season, uh, it, it was a shocking uh, moment uh, for that football team and that program and, and indeed the school. Um, so what happened next was, wow, wow. It, it was, um, in a moment, here's what I want to do. I, I, I'm, I'm going to close with some audio from a documentary that you may be able to find online called Bowden, the, the Bowden dynasty. And Bobby Bowden was probably in his eighties when this was recorded. And he tells about this moment. Uh, when he got the news of Pablo Lopez being shot. And as you listen to this audio, you'll hear several other voices. Uh, you'll recognize Bobby Bowden's voice. It's the first voice, big Southern, right? And, he'll, and I think he says boy <laughs> a couple times in this, uh, in this uh, clip. And you'll hear some other voices, and those are, those are other football coaches that were on the staff at the time. Uh, and then finally, you're going to hear uh, a voice of Mark Richt. Mark Richt played quarterback for the University of Miami and later went into the coaching profession and became the offensive coordinator at Florida State University and then eventually becomes the head football coach at the University of Georgia. So you'll hear his voice and you recognize his voice because he's the guy who's going to talk about that he was standing in the back of the room. He was standing in the back of the room. That's what you're listening for. And then it goes into what Mark Rick's uh, response was uh, to this moment. So uh, nobody can tell it better than, uh, than Coach Bowden himself. I'm just going to close with this audio, and uh, I think it will be a, a great blessing to you. And uh, pray blessing on your life and my life and <laughs> that each of us can have uh, a sphere of influence uh, for Christ uh, similar uh, to that of Coach Bowden. So take a, take a listen to the coach uh, describing this uh, uh, tragic moment and what happened in the aftermath of it. I get a call about 2.30 at night. Coach Bowden, you need to get over here to the hospital. One of your boys has been hurt and it looks bad. When I get there, I go find the doctor. And as soon as I see him, he's shaking his head. He looks at me and said, Coach Pablo died. I went in shock. I actually heard the gunshot the night of it. It was more like a daze. Pablo would probably play in the NFL for 10 years as an offensive tackle. It hurt everybody on the team. That affected a lot of us seeing that. Were you there that night? Yeah. That's something I don't want to talk about. I told him 2 o'clock we're going to have a meeting in our team room. Now, the way we arranged it, we had 11 chairs on the front row. That's where the first team offense sat. Now, the reason I set them like that, if I saw an empty chair, I knew exactly who's missing. 
Well, there was one missing chair. I think I was taking roll that day and just kind of keeping an eye on the door, make sure it would stay private. And he pointed to an empty chair. He said, man, Pablo used to sit right there. Um, now he's gone. He said, uh, if that was you last night, do you know where you would spend eternity? Now, what I was trying to do is get them thinking about death. They think only old people die, not young. And it opened it up where I could give my boys a Sunday school lesson on how to get to heaven. Yeah, I preached to them. I sure did. Doggone right I did. I'm concerned about where my players spend eternity, you know? Well, I'm in the back of the room listening, and I'm like, I know where I'd spend it. It's not a good place. And that night I said, I'm going to go see Coach in the morning. He said, Coach, what were you talking about in there? I, said, I never heard that, about eternal life and about what's on the other side after you die. I had my mother's Bible on the desk, and I took that Bible, and I read to him what he had to do to be saved. You know, I basically prayed to receive Christ right there in his office and literally changed my life significantly. You know, my mission became just trying to live a life that God would be pleased with. If anybody's wondering, Pablo didn't die in vain. He changed my life completely.